Good morning, everyone. Welcome into this SEC Morning Report. I'm Blaine Gilmer, and we are just a couple of days away. It is Thursday, November 30th, and we are just a couple of sleeps away from SEC Championship Day. We're going to be breaking it down between Georgia and Alabama as they get ready to take each other on in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta Saturday four o'clock on cbs the last one you're going to see on cbs with the the big 10 moving over to uh, to that channel and then of course the sec going to uh, espn and abc so there's going to be a lot just involved in this matchup guys the last east versus west sec championship game the last one with this much significance on the line only four teams getting in so it is truly the end of an era and what a better way to celebrate that to uh, commemorate that than have these two titanic programs going against one another very very excited to see that this saturday uh, another thing I'm also excited about is our partnership with Bet Online, guys. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all of your sports wagering info. With up to date minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four sports, guys, the big four professional sports. Bet Online has information at your fingertips. With both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played, MMA, international soccer, whatever it is you're looking for, you can find it at Bet Online. Head to betonline.ag today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V, all caps B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And guys, where we're going to start is that. Everything that we've heard all week uh, with, you know, Georgia, the 29-game win streak, Alabama, of course, uh, having the the being undefeated in, in Atlanta, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and, and Georgia never have beaten them there for an ACC championship. You can take all those things and all the statistics that we talked about a couple of days ago and just throw them out the window because when it comes down to it, it's about those 60 minutes maybe more that's happened before in Atlanta between these two. But for those 60 minutes, it's about individual matchups. It's about, okay, in-game adjustments. It's about who's able to, to handle adversity and, you know, fix a problem here or there and then overcome and win little moments. And I think that is something that both of these teams from their head coaches have had instilled into them. So I'm super excited to see not only the on-field matchup, but the psychological matchup to see the 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 coaches kind of spar with one another in terms of adjustments and how they go about attacking each other's weaknesses and things of that nature. So what I thought would be good to do today is go through five in matchups like inside the game that I think are going to be crucial uh, for these teams. And we're going to go start off with number five and go in reverse order and count down to number one. So the first one we have here is Alabama wideouts versus Dalen Everett. Um, okay, so Dalen Everett, the corner opposite of Kamari Lasseter for the Georgia Bulldogs. And there's been times this year where he has uh, given up some plays. There's been times where people have – intentionally gone away from Kamari Lasseter. 
Kamar Laster has proven himself to be one of the better corners in all of college football and is going to be a very, very high draft pick, potentially a first-round draft pick this year for the Georgia Bulldogs in the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, you go back and look at the Missouri game. You go back and look at the at the Ole Miss game. They were moving Kamari Lasseter around, shadowing Trey Harris for Ole Miss, shadowing Luther Burden for Missouri. Now, that was after, in that Missouri game, that was an adjustment that was made after Dalen Everett gave up a big play for a touchdown to Luther Burden. So my question is, really, when you're looking at this Alabama team and how things have developed for them at wide receiver, they have talented guys, a lot of talented guys, just like Georgia does. But the main two that really concern you the most are Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond. The question is, which one concerns you more? Which one's more dynamic? I think that the one that you would probably want Lassiter being around is you would probably want Lassiter on Jermaine Burton. And so that's going to that's gonna leave times where Dalen Everett is matched up with Isaiah Bond. I'm sure there will be a couple of times maybe uh, Lassiter doesn't go all over the yard with Burton and they could motion and do all that kind of stuff and maybe catch him in different coverage and, and all those different things. But at some point, Dalen Everett is going to have to make a big play for Georgia and he's going to have to play the ball in the air. And that is going to be uh, kind of a moment of truth. Now, I'm, I'm, Dalen, Dalen Everett's a fine player. I mean, he's not. Uh, it's, I'm not saying he's out there. He's the he's the fish on the defense. You know what I'm saying? But what I am saying is that he is not the caliber of player that Kamari Laster is. I don't think that right now he's the caliber of player that Terry on Arnold and Kool Aid McKinstry are on the other side of this matchup for Alabama at corner. So I think he's got a, a lot to prove in this game. I think he's a guy that Alabama will try to target, and we'll we'll see how he holds up against things. It's been uh, a little bit, you know, on the start stop part of things, whether it's people running a comeback and him continuing to run by, or whether it's a double move type deal. Those are things that I would look at on that side of the defense, and how does Georgia help him out? Is there a safety uh, over top, whether it's Bullard or, or Starks, kind of giving help that way? And if that happens, then, you know, Alabama has been known to use some quads formations. They've been used, known to uh, utilize their tight ends, and that could change the coverage elsewhere. So whether it's Amari Nybrak, uh, C.J. Dupree, who knows how, how that happens in the middle if you've got a safety leaking out over top to help one of your corners. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating matchup in terms of how that is handled, but just watch for that one. How does Dalen Everett do in coverage, and what type of coverage are they playing? Is Georgia being as aggressive as they normally are and playing either straight man or, or pattern match, or are they going to uh, go into some zone at different times and, and things of that nature and, and try to cloudy up that picture for Milrow, uh, disguise things, but also in doing that, help out uh, Dalen Everett a little bit in coverage there too. So lots of things to look at in that part of this matchup. Alabama's linebackers and safeties versus Brock Bowers, okay? Uh, whether it's Malachi Moore, uh, whether it's Caleb Downs, whether it's Jalen Key, whether it is Deontay Lawson, uh, whoever ends up being matched up on Jihad Campbell, I mean, uh, Tresman Marshall, any of these guys, okay? I don't think that there's a player that's going to be in position 
for Alabama that can just shut Brock Bowers down. However, what I think they can do is they can try to uh, harass him enough where Carson Beck is so dialed in on being efficient and so dialed in on, okay, that's not there, that's not there, boom, I'm going to this. I think they could get him off of the read if Brock is the first read in that progression. Hence, it may be good for Georgia to have some some plays, some some patterns that are a little bit later developing, tight end hide, uh, delay, things of that nature where Alabama has to respect other things first, some play action, which they utilize quite often with Bowers, you know, off the fake toss up the up the right side and and things of that nature. So I think there's some different ways to go about attacking it where you don't make Brock number one, the number one read in the progression and still end up getting to him because Alabama, what they are good at is taking away your first progression, your first read in the progression. So I'm really interested to see how Jalen Key, a guy who's banged up, is able to do in, in this type of situation. Caleb Downs, a freshman, and nobody has been more effusive in praise of Caleb Downs than me. I think he's the best high school football player I've seen in person. But still, there's levels to this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And and as good as you may be as a freshman, you're taking on one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the sport. And that that could be be an interesting matchup there to see how that goes if they leave them. Uh, in straight up man coverage, I think most of the time he'll be bracketed, um, and then that that you know leaves Ladd McConkey, who I think will play uh, and and play well. Uh, Ra Ra Thomas, Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint, Dylan Bell, you know all these other guys, Oscar Delp, even the other tight end. So there's going to be opportunities there, but I think how they use those linebackers and safeties that star position as well to try to combat Brock Bowers is going to be an interesting, interesting matchup uh, game inside the game, if you will, for Georgia and Alabama. Then I'm looking at Alabama's defensive front versus Georgia's run game. Georgia's run game has just been getting stronger and stronger and stronger as as the year has gone on. I mean, you're talking about Kendall Milton, who is finally healthy, a guy who is just absolutely running with reckless abandon. I mean, he is running through people's faces, it seems, here in especially in the month of November as Georgia has gotten better and better as as things have gone on. And in the month of November, both of these teams are rushing the ball very well in terms of, you know, yards per yards per uh yards per attempt, yards per carry, Georgia five point seven eight. But Kendall Milton, um, I'm just telling you is playing the best ball of his career and it's going to be interesting to see there's there's some there's some injury stuff some banged up stuff on Alabama's defensive front uh of course Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell are going to be uh trying to you know get off as quickly as possible and almost like tackle the run on the way to the quarterback right because they're trying to get after Carson Beck who I don't think Alabama views as mobile enough to hurt him with his legs which that may be that may be a misnomer for them. That may be a mistake because Carson Beck can run a little bit better than people think. So if that's the case, and then you have uh, Deontay Lawson, who has had some some injury stuff, but he's worked his way back. And 
this defensive front isn't able to hold Georgia early from running within the tackles. If you see Georgia running the ball for four, five, you know, three and a half, four, five and a half, six yards on inside zone, on duo, gap scheme with Kendall Milton, with Dejan Edwards, and they're able to stay in third and manageable, third and third and four, third and three all day, and, and Georgia's one of the best teams only behind LSU in converting third downs in the country, then Alabama's going to have some issues. So if Georgia can't run the football, though, then Georgia's going to have some issues because you can't afford just to drop back and, and let Dallas Turner, let Chris Braswell, uh, let all these talented pass rushers, and sometimes they'll loop around Jod Campbell, loop around Deontay Lawson in similar fashion had, as Georgia's done with their inside linebackers the last few, few years in certain blitz packages and things like that. You can't allow those guys just to know, hey, George is one-dimensional right now, and we're gonna we're just gonna go tee off on the pass rush. That is definitely not a good recipe. So I think how does Georgia go about attacking Alabama's defensive front early? How efficient are they in their runs early? And then in in off of that. What kind of checks do we see with Carson? The thing that Carson Beck has been so good at is being able to check things at the line of scrimmage, get Georgia in the right play. How much do we see all that going on in this environment, uh, in this, you know, there's going to be a lot of crowd noise, but just the nature of this game with both teams having uh, rowdy fan bases in there, things of that nature. So I'm excited to see that chess match. Alabama's defensive front versus Georgia's run game. Whichever one is is winning that matchup early on, I think that's going to be one of the earliest indicators of how this game could go. How is Georgia running the football, particularly with Kendall Milton, the way that he's be kind, of, kind of become full strength and really started to reach into that potential that people saw early on in his career for the first time. He is running like a grown man. Number two, Georgia's defense versus the Alabama offense in the red zone. Talked a little bit about this, guys. In the month of November, Georgia's defense is holding opponents to the best touchdown, red zone touchdown percentage in the SEC. That's against teams the ilk of Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. A far harder schedule in November than what Alabama has played, and they've held teams to 38 point four six percent touchdown percentage in the red zone an impressive mark because early on in the season guys georgia was allowing people to score touchdowns at a 70 percent clip but it hit the month of november and things have just flipped for georgia and like i said 38 percent the best in the sec conversely alabama is scoring touchdowns in the red zone in the month of november and, you know, like, albeit a diff, little bit different schedule, LSU's horrible on defense. Kentucky uh, at home, that was a good, that was a good performance because that defense is, is, is pretty stout under, under Mark Stoops uh, regardless. And I know Georgia had their way with them as well, but it's a, it's a well-coached defense, so there's still an impressive thing. Chattanooga is what it is. And then Auburn, I think, is a good, 
good defense. Um, still, I don't think that's as rigorous of a schedule as Georgia faced uh, on the other on the flip side with their defense stopping uh, stopping those teams offensively in the red zone. But Alabama's offense in the red zone best in the SEC at eighty five percent touchdown rate in the red zone in the month of November. So I think if you see, I think Alabama is going to move the ball in between the twenties. I really, I really do. I think uh, that, that would, whether it's Milrow running the ball around, but Alabama is more of a deep shot team. Okay. In terms of the passing game, they struggle a little bit when it becomes more intermediate. You just go look at, at Milrow's numbers and they go down drastically when it's not throws over 20 yards. And, once you get inside that that red zone, by definition, the throws aren't going to be over 20 yards, and it's going to get tighter spaces. The windows are going to get tighter. Um, now his legs are going to come into play as well, so that's going to be a fascinating matchup. What does Tommy Reese do offensively when Alabama gets into the red zone? How does Glenn Schumann, Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp combat, combat that and be able to play? But the red zone defense for Georgia is red hot right now. The red zone offense for Alabama is red hot right now. So that is a matchup I'm looking forward to seeing very, very much. And then my main one, the Georgia edge players containing Milrow and Alabama's outside run game. Listen, I, I don't think Alabama is just going to line up and run behind Seth McLaughlin, you know, McLaughlin up the middle. Uh, and and you know Booker and 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 these guys up the middle and just gash Georgia in between the tackles. Not going to happen. Not the way that Georgia's playing. Um, where Georgia gets hurt is on the edges, on the perimeter, outside runs, read game, things of that nature. And I've said it all week. I think the biggest matchup in this game is Tyke Smith at the star position taking on Robbie Oots, taking on Amari Nyblack, taking on Kendrick Law blocking out there. And then also guys like Michael Williams, who will be standing up out there at times. Chaz Chambliss. You've got, you've got Marvin Jones Jr. out there who will be asked to do different things out on the perimeter. And then guys who have to rally to the ball the way Georgia plays. They spill everything to the outside, and the linebackers have to and linebackers and safeties run inside out the the run the alley and try to fill these gaps. So Javon Bullard will be coming down. And attacking things on the perimeter out there, Malachi Starks at different times. You'll have like like I mentioned at the star position, Tacky Smith. You'll have a Smile Munden, you know, tacking from inside out, uh, getting over there. So my question is, how are they able to contain? What does that look like? Does Georgia continue to play the the head up four techniques and and have people kind of just rally from depth to come up and stop the the outside run? Or do they make some adjustments? Do we see a little bit different alignment, things of that nature, something to muddy the picture, contain Milrow a little bit, who's going to be the spy in the middle, things of that nature? That is the biggest question for me, especially with the two freshman inside linebackers. It makes the, it makes the edge play that much more that much more important. I mean, it is a key deal for Georgia here. And listen, the people that you're looking at to, to make the plays on the outside are those safeties filling and are, and is at different times, you know, 
probably I would say Marvin Jones Jr. more so than than Chaz Chambliss. I think Chaz Chambliss a lot is used to come in there and wrong arm the 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 gap scheme stuff, uh, be in there and, and be more of a, a penetrating guy, crash the the B gap at times. Um, but I did see a couple of times that is where Georgia was hurt against Georgia Tech is they had two guys going in the same gap, not something that you typically see out of a Georgia defense. So how are those adjustments made? Of course, Alabama, the same could be said conversely for their defense as they had had problems containing Auburn at times, and I'm sure Georgia would try to take care of that as well. But I think it's paramount for Georgia. The star position, the safeties, the inside linebackers, and the jack on the other side rallying rallying to the ball on the perimeter, being able to contain, stay in discipline in rush lanes, things of that nature. I'm excited to see it, and I think that's the top matchup in this game because if Georgia is able to take away that perimeter run, I'm not worried about them just pounding it up the middle, especially if Jace McCullen's banged up or not 100% or not playing in this game. But I think Jam Miller can get on the outside uh, I think they can use Milrow, of course, on the quarterback design runs to get on the outside, and then when he scrambles is when he's really dangerous. So I'm excited to see that. If Alabama becomes more one-dimensional, then I think it's going to be hard for that passing game just to take over without the threat of consistent run on the outside. So that's what Georgia will be trying to do, making them one-dimensional. Guys, uh, we hope that you think this show is is multifaceted, not one-dimensional. Uh, we enjoy you tuning in every single weekday morning for the SEC Morning Report. Again, we're presented by Bet Online. You can check out all that information in the description. Like, it really helps us out. If you just hit that like button, that helps out the analytics a lot. Subscribe. That's what you can do for us. It's absolutely free. Subscribe. A lot of people watch this and aren't subscribed. Over you know half the audience not subscribed yet. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Okay, we, we greatly appreciate that. So like, subscribe, turn on notifications to know when Chris Lee, Blake Lovell, Gavin Schoenwald, everybody goes live. And tomorrow morning, we will have Jake Crane on here for Jake's Takes on Southeastern 14. And just so thankful for each and every one of you guys who tuned in. We greatly appreciate your uh, choosing us for your daily SEC sports content. And guys excited for this matchup. So we've got one more day to break this down and get prepared. And then it's time for kickoff in the SEC championship game between Georgia and Alabama college football playoff on the line. Excited about it and excited about talking sports with you guys. So thank you so much. I'm Blaine Gilmer. You can follow me on X using at BGilmer18. This has been the SEC Morning Report on Southeastern 14. Have a great day and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank <laughs> you.